Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus i say stick true to your message like I'm not going to lie. It's been tough to like really can stay positive and stay focused because it hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows. You know, I think we all get into the space thinking like, Oh, I'm going to make it. I'm going to get this big audience and blah, 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 blah. You know? And there's been times where I've kind of like gotten very discouraged and just like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing this for? But then I always have to tell myself. Hey guys, and welcome back to Beauty Calls. This is Dr. Z, and I'm here with a wonderful guest today. Her name is Deanna Radulescu, recently married, I understand, a new name, so congratulations. Uh, But Deanna has been in the beauty world for a long time and has experience in many different uh, branches of it, from uh, Beauty Queen in Chicago to starting her own fashion uh, label, skincare, um, and is a podcast host currently um, who has a large audience. Uh, and I believe uh, you guys will have a, a lot of um, entertainment and information coming from Miss Deanna. So welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Dr. Z. These are some of my favorite uh, topics to talk about. So we are totally going to have fun. I know. And I think... Um, we could go in so many directions. We could talk about beauty in general from a philosophical standpoint or from a, you know, beauty competitions or fitness and it all informs what you do. Um, But when I learned about your uh, history with the skincare uh, and how COVID kind of killed it, um, I, I thought that would be a very interesting thing to explore. If you're willing to tell us a little bit, about that and maybe how it all began. Sure. Um, and um, we'll get into some details as far as developing a skincare line, what goes into it, um, and, and a lot more that I'm personally just very curious about. Sure. Be happy to share. So, um, so my mom, like the beauty, like fa- my passion for beauty started with my mom. She was always making up her own concoctions in the kitchen when I was younger. I remember my aunt did Mary Kay. So my aunt, she had my aunt come over and teach us about makeup and, and Mary Kay and stuff. And as I've, you know, I think any woman that or any female that is exposed to that as a young age is very lucky because then you learn how to take care of your skin as you get older. I'm 47 and I, people tell me, well, you don't look it. I'm like, well, that's because I've taken care of it my whole life. Cause I had a great example, you know, I've always done masks, you know, I'm very big into supplementation. I think like taking hyaluronic acid, 
um, phytoceramides. Like there's a lot of different things that you can take collagen that is going to help you age gracefully as well as the, the Botox and the fillers. Um, but having a good skincare routine is a, a big part of it. So my mom's passion was always to start her own skincare line. And like as her oldest daughter, I'm like, let's do it. I've got the business know-how. I'm like I'm the, I'm the one that gets stuff done. And so we had started on this journey a long time ago and it took my mom forever. Like she is not one, she's a dreamer. I love her to death, but she's not one to actually make a decision and make things happen. So as her oldest daughter, I started, I really kind of pushed her. And our first product we came out with was a gold serum before it got real popular in the market. It's actually still very popular today. And, you know, she had done a lot of the legwork finding a um, manufacturer. And so, you know, I'm sure you know, most products that are out there are all private labeled. They have, there's one, one, where, one manufacturer that probably manufactures a big majority of the skincare, you know, and it, that's just how it works out there. And so if you find a manufacturer that is manufacturing a product that you really like, the chances are you could private label it and just market it your own way or add mm -hmm. or subtract different ingredients. So that's what we learned during our process. So the first pro product was a gold serum, which was very, very popular. I sold out of that very fast. And so then we had to get it remade and repackaged, which we did. And we found another, I think it was a different manufacturer out of California. And like you, what's fun about that pro process is that they'll send you their sample pack, which is huge of all the different products that they have. Our favorite manufacturer was the one out of California because they had more of a natural, natural line. So more, who was that? Are you, I don't remember the name of it. Okay. I, I, we could, I could circle back with you later. That's okay. I was just curious. Yeah. So we yeah, go ahead. I, I've personally in my business have been involved in, in skincare development um, in three different ways, you know, private label, um, custom formulary um, from companies that do private label. Yeah. And uh, more recently, 100% um, custom with a research and development team, scientists, more yeah. like a, from the ground up true skincare um, product, which is of course by far the hardest way, yeah. but the most rewarding way because you've got something unique and that's, that's some, um, it's so there's good pros and cons to all of them. But yeah, when you found this product that you really liked the gold serum, how did you sell it online? No, I did uh door to door wedding going to spas because this was before COVID. And so I had it in a lot of spas across the Chicagoland area. Gotcha. I mean, spas in the city. I mean, just, you know, it was very popular. It did very what well. What was your initial order quantity? Mm. Was it like a thousand or 5,000? No, nothing like that. Because you're you're talking about spas. So as a new brand, they're just testing. I mean, when spas. you first got your first order oh, from your manufacturer. Like it was a thousand. A thousand. Okay. Yeah. So a thousand you had to sell and you went all around and it introduced people. That. It may have been more than that. I'm like, try, I'm drawing a blank on this. It could have been five. A lot of places start with 5,000. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah. So either but way. you had a big pile of it in your house somewhere. <laughs> no, I sold out, completely sold out. It's all gone. Like I, right, I had, after, after COVID, I actually had people reach out to me wanting to buy it again. I'm like, I'm sorry. It's, you know, I'm sold out, but, um, yeah, I did it online. I actually did it on Amazon as well. I, I remember setting up my store on Amazon and I sold a couple products through there. I mean, that's a little bit more competitive because of how well, it's set up. Hold on. I'm going to cut you off just so I can understand. 
you made you got this original one. What was it called? What was your company your brand called? Deanna Marie Label. Okay, so you had Deanna Marie Label Gold Serum. Yes. You went door to door. You went to spas. You sold it. People loved it. Yes. And when you ran out, why didn't you order a whole nother batch instead of reboxing, going to a new distributor or a new manufacturer? So we ran out of the first order. Then we reordered before COVID. When COVID hit, it killed my whole business. Okay. But you said you moved to a California manufacturer. Correct. Yeah. After COVID? No, no, that was before. Yeah, so why did you switch from the first order to the second order? Because we couldn't find the original, uh, original manufacturer. Oh, so they went, they went bust or something. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you found a similar, um, you got a similar product from your second yeah. person. Yeah, which was just that you, as popular. Just I mean, it did just as well. But at that time, you were starting to do online. I had already had it set up online. Right. Okay. So when I started my label, I had already had it set up online, but a majority of my sales came from door to door going to spas. And then I, I, I put it on um, I put it on Amazon and it sold on Amazon as well. And then COVID hit and majority of my sales came from spas. So a lot of those spas went out of business and you know, that I just was not it kind of killed the I it killed my my drive to continue to um, to have a skincare line. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, um, I own and operate a spa as well. And we were fortunate enough to survive COVID, but we did have to close for, you know, a yeah. couple of months during that shutdown period, which was really a, a tough thing. But, um, was the original batch that you made and I'm sure it was exciting and fun and you did it with your mom and you guys got the, everything going. Was that first batch uh, profitable for you? Like, did, did you make not, more than what you bought it for? I don't think so because, like I said, it was really hard to get my mom motivated to to get things going, and so I took it upon myself just to start to to do it myself. And so, I mean, and and I self funded everything, so it wasn't like I had deep. I'm sure you have a lot deeper pockets than I do, so it you know it took a I'm lot. Just, to, it took a lot to to really to market it, to brand it for myself, and because um, she originally had it branded under her what she wanted, it was called she called it Jan Queen. That was her brand, and you know um, I had to rebrand it all. I had to invest in all that stuff, and it just it, it took a while to get rid of that first batch, and then the uh-huh. once that was gone, the second batch was a lot easier to get, go through. But you were able to make a profit on it. You could sell it for. I, I think at a certain point I, I did make a profit on it. But then, like I said, when COVID hit, I mean, I lost a ton of money because the product, I had product in people's stores, some that were on consignment, you know, oh, I see. they would, I invoice them and I never, never got paid. So got it. You know, so, so yeah, it's tough. And um, how did the Amazon work? Was it hard getting found on Amazon with so much competition? Yeah. So, you know, what I've realized now is a lot of those people that do well is because they look for people to buy. They, they reimburse them because I do it. I do reviews all the time on products on Amazon. They'll reach out to me on social media. And I'm like, sure, if it's alignment with what I like, I will go ahead and be a part of their their um, their project. And so a lot of those people that do well on Amazon find people to they pay them to buy their product and do a review for them. And that's how they do so well. That's how they rank high. And so um, had I known that before, I probably would have invested in some of that, but I didn't know, you know, we live and learn. 
I was doing everything myself. I had no real mentor or guidance or anything like that. Um, so then what happened after that? So is that when your skincare journey, um, ended? Pretty much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, my mom and I talk about starting it up again, but I just told her, I said, I can't do it all on my own. Like, I just can't, you know, Mm -hmm. that was a lot for me to do. You know, I was working a full-time job, trying to get my label off the ground, selling the skincare. Like it just was too much for me to do by myself. I would love to again, because I'm very passionate and now I know more too about skincare as well. So I would probably, if we had the, the, the funds, I would do R and D like what you said that you did. I mean, it's just a longer process, but you are more in control of the ingredients that are going into the, to the product and making sure that it is not full of toxins and chemicals and, and stuff like that. So, well, and if you have the ability to, to do it that way, then you're creating something that's, that's unique and it can be better than what's out there, you know, cause um, there's so much competition and if you're trying to sell something for skincare, it has to really have a, a value that doesn't exist. I mean, there's moisturizers and wrinkle reducers and blah, blah, blah. Like, so, <laughs> so yeah. Um, but then, um, you ended up after that journey into the, um, podcasting space, into the podcasting space and, Influenced by, um, interestingly, your human trafficking um, experience. Well, that's partly true. I mean, I had a very abusive father. He was a deadbeat. And I got into a, a many abusive relationships afterwards. And so then my, my late husband, who passed away about eight years ago, he kind of was like my knight in shining armor and rescued me. And we ended up having a very larger than life uh, life together. We had five businesses. And um it wasn't, we were great business partners. He was a very controlling man. Um, he was a steroid addict and ended up like dying because he needed his third kidney transplant. And so the last eight years has been a, lot, a journey of self-reflection and healing and also being very open and honest about some of the things I've been through. And mm-hmm. human trafficking is one one portion of that, but that's not everything. So, you know, there's a lot of different things that happen in one's life. You know, unfortunately, I've experienced more trauma than I'd like to admit, but that's what that is what inspired the label free podcast gotcha well let's talk about that then since that's your focus these days right yeah is it does it deal at all with beauty or is it um what's the general topic label free podcast well i mean i've talked to people that have skincare lines and that are in, in beauty but it's really i mean to live your best life, live label free. So that might mean something different to you than it does to me. For me, it was it meant like shedding those labels that were holding me back, making me think I was less than, making me feel like I wasn't worthy. For someone else, it might be shedding a label of anxiety or shedding a label of, oh, I'm never going to be successful. Or I had a, a lady on that, she has her own skincare line and she's out of, um, where is she out of? Uh, she, she, you know, felt like she was, she had a lot of anxiety and depression and she didn't feel like she could move forward and doing different things. And so her skincare line was born based on overcoming those things. So yeah, I talk about some of that stuff, you know, someone might feel that they're not attractive, but they truly are attractive and they don't just feel that ugly on the inside. So yeah, beauty can be a part of it, but that's also a label too, right? Being beautiful. What does that mean? 
you can be beautiful on the inside, you can be beautiful on the outside, you can have both or not, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of different, that, that that's a rabbit hole you could go down. And, and that's the hole we like to dig into <laughs> because it's very complicated, but beauty is something intangible. And, um, you know, I grew up uh, as an artist before I got into medicine. And so it's all, it, it doesn't, uh, surprise many people that I ended up being a plastic surgeon because really it's like the most artistic medical field yeah. and it's great. But what is beauty? That's the essential question of this podcast. What is beauty? And we talk to people about all sorts of things because it affects your health, your relationships, your self-care, um, your spirituality. But um you've seen all sides of it, you know, from being a beauty queen and what the stereotypical outward expectation of beauty is and the emotional things. And, um, what do you think about the physical part of beauty, the outward appearance for men and women and where we're at with that today? Is it, is it vain to want to look beautiful, so to speak? Is it, is it, is it vain to a degree or not right to want to conform somehow to society's standards of beauty, beauty or excel in those standards, or is it totally a fine objective? Hmm. That's a, that's a really interesting question. I think that being blessed with beauty is, you know, is a beautiful thing, right? Um, natural beauty. People- natural beauty, someone being blessed with natural beauty on the outside is a beautiful thing. But if that person does not have a vibrancy to them, a love to them, a warmness to them, they're cold and they're mean and they're cut off, that beauty quickly turns ugly. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I mean we've all met those kind of people out there in the world that they are so vain and they're so into how they look, that they think they're better than everybody else, which just kills how they look immediately. Some people like that, I don't. I think that someone is beautiful by the amount of energy that they have that is willing to, you know, embrace other people to want to lift others up. And that person might not be the stereotypical beautiful person, but their beauty from the inside shines so brightly that you can't help but notice that person. And I'm sure you've seen people like that, even what you do, that they just radiate an energy that is hard to ignore. And so, um, I don't think it's wrong to want to look good on the outside. I think that there is a um, a level of self-respect and self-confidence that comes with wanting to maintain what God has given you, but also not to get so caught up in the vanity of it that you learn to continue or you continue to work on your inner beauty and treat others with kindness, love, and respect. So I think that it's important to have a good balance. You can't- Oh, yeah. You know, I, I just, you just have to have a good balance. You know, I don't think it's wrong to take care of yourself. I, I, I'm very much into my self-care, my, my skincare routine, working out, my supplements, my health. I value what God has given me. I take care of it. But does that mean I'm vain? I don't think so. I think that I, I don't like, think I, so either. And taking care of yourself. I mean, we're commanded to take care of ourselves. You know, you got to be healthy. And a lot of times when you're seeking health, um, it leads to uh, what's traditionally considered beautiful because your skin, your hair, your nails, everything is healthier. But, you know, um, while you were talking a second ago, I thought of a framework or, or an analogy for this beauty model that I've never thought of before. And maybe other people have have thought of this, but um, 
it's sort of like jewelry. Yeah. Okay. Let's say you have um, a necklace and it's made of some cheap metal like nickel and it's gold plated on the outside. So it looks like gold, but it's worthless on the inside. So that's outward beauty. Eventually that's going to fade off or tarnish or the inside's going to eat its way out until it's exposed as an ugly necklace, right? Um, on the other hand, if it is gold on the inside or silver, I like it. but it's tarnished, yeah. right? On the outside, you've got t- silver tarnishes. Gold can get, you know, covered in, in whatever, oxidate, oxidate then you know you're beautiful, but when you look at, at that object or you look at yourself in the mirror, you don't really see on the surface what you know is there on the inside. Right. So some people might say, I want to look like I feel. When I look in the mirror, I want to look the way I feel in my heart. That's great. That's sort of like taking care of your outward appearance so that you're comfortable and that there's this symmetry from the outside to the inside. Yeah. But my little thing, my little uh, example led me with this phrase, you want to be solid gold, right? Mm. All the way from the inside to the outside. Solid gold is where it's at. So you can't have a mismatch. And I think if um, you're pursuing that, that'd be cool because then there's nothing wrong with beauty. It's a total thing. It's it's something designed by God. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Yeah. I like that. To be be beautiful. Um, The problem is though – in our culture and uh, et cetera, and people uh, misguided in um, interpretation of beauty, things get out of control where you think you have to look a certain way or do a certain thing. And it's ends up being fake, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, so, I, I, I mean, but you can see those people coming though. <laughs> you can, cool. but it's, yeah. you know, in my business, it's kind of hard because um, I don't know what the real statistic is, but I've heard it tossed around that like 20% of people that come to a plastic surgeon have some kind of emotional or psychological problem. Well, you could say 100% of them do because we all have some type of psychological damage, right? Or no one is perfect. So it's trying to tease out who you can help and what their motives are. And you end up being a lot more of a psychiatrist than just a surgeon because if you if you operate on somebody seeking beauty um, and it's under the wrong circumstances, you're not really helping them. You're hurting them. No, yeah. I mean, have you ever turned someone away that they've wanted too much work done? Lots of times. Yeah. Um, sometimes because they've had too much work done and you can tell that they have a self-image problem or, um, you know, uh, body dysmorphia, et cetera. Um, but a lot of times it's also someone comes in, they've never had anything done and they're describing a major problem. Like I can't stand my nose. It's the worst thing ever. My life stinks. Cause every time I look at it, I hate it. Um, I want a rhinoplasty and I look at it like I can't imagine a single thing to do to make it better. I can't help you, That's you know? Wild. So, so it is wild, but most of the time I'm lucky, uh, you know, we've got people that have reasonable requests and they come in and they're like, Hey, I want to sort of look a little bit like I did 10 years ago. Nothing yeah. crazy. I don't want to be a different person. I just want to improve. Oh, it's just like Botox and fillers come in. I'm all about it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. It's exactly right. Um, or, you know, I've, I've put on a few pounds around the, the waist and I just want to shed it. Well, you can exercise, you can diet, you can do all those things. And, and that's not, that's health. And it's not being vain that you want to look good in your clothes. And if you get stuck and you can't get any further, then you come to me and we just do a little lipo, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's okay too, but you know, 
yeah, I think having building on what you have and not getting unhealthy about it is okay. Because I do. Mm-hmm. I actually, I had a boob job done when I was 18 and I just went in for a lift. I did not have my implants changed out because they're fine. They're saline. There's nothing wrong with them. So the doctor I went to said, well, we could just do a lift. I would have to do a lift anyways if I wanted to to switch out my implants. So I just did that because I was, they. I'm 47. They're, yeah. they're almost 30 years old. <laughs> I would have changed the implants out. I don't want the anchor though. So I, I you don't need to, an anchor to change out the implants, but the way that they are there, I've gravity has taken its toll that I need a lift. I need, but, a lift. but you had a lift, right? I just had one. Yeah. But you kept the 30 year old implants at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, I won't get into that, but you know, my other YouTube channel is boob doc and that's because that's the number oh, okay. one surgery I do is, is breast enhancement. Sure. And, I've seen it all and there's nothing dangerous or bad about that, but you are putting yourself in the position where you're most likely going to be exchanging those implants in the next five years or so because they just don't last that long. 30 years is incredible amount of time for a saline implant. It could be silicone. No, it's saline. If you're short saline, they usually leak or rupture around 15, 20 years at the longest. So if anyone comes into me and they're in there for more than 20 years, I absolutely say switch it out. Because imagine you do all this surgery and a lift and then uh, six months from now you wake up and one of them's flat. Like th- wouldn't you kick yourself and hate it? So sorry, I don't mean to put, I don't, I don't mean to upset you. <laughs> upset you. But um, you, you touched on a top, another topic that I'm passionate about. And so that's like what I do every day. That's my day job. Um, sure. So, well, you definitely, um, you know, you know a lot about this industry. Where where do you go from here? Is it um, expanding your your podcast and your uh, social uh, profile online? Well, that's pretty much what I've been focused on the last uh, year. So, um, you know, I've had a lot of incredible opportunities come from the podcast. I, I mean, it has not the message has not waned at all, and in fact, it's even gotten stronger. I have people reaching out to me from all over the world that want to be on the show consistently. What so is I, the overwhelming message? Like, what if you had to distill it into a, a sentence? Like, what is the? What you, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Okay. And so it's just because of really encouraging acceptance, diversity, um, and just love love ourselves. You know, because I feel like. With the overwhelming amount of people on the be on the show, people are hungry for acceptance. They're hungry for like to be that inclusion, right? And that means something different. You know, we can go out, go off. That's a whole other subject that means something else to other people. But we are so we've been so divided in our world that you know we want to put labels on everything, and those labels cause division. Those labels cause um, judgment. They cause you know, insecurities, they cause so many different things and it means something different to everyone. So the, the majority of people just tell me, thank you so much for what I'm doing. Your message just really resonates with me. And as far as a business goes, since this is your primary focus, how do you, as a podcaster now asking for advice from a newbie podcaster, um, you know, I started it for fun and I, I love watching uh, YouTube educational videos and listening to podcasts. And my wife loves listening to podcasts because you can just kind of learn without having to do a whole lot, but listen. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to share a lot of the experience and the context that I have 
with other people and it's fun. But, you know, if you're doing it as a profession, how do you, how do you, you monetize. personally, Deanna, how do you not just monetize, but scale to a point where it is a profitable business? Yeah. So I've grown it to a point where my socials are all pretty robust. My newsletters robust. My YouTube's over 15,000 subscribers. I mean, I do, I offer press releases, Google ads. My, I've grown it to a point where I offer everyone a free audio only recording, right? And I'm giving some of my secrets away. But if they wanted to be highlighted on all those things, they wanted to have a video a podcast, they want to have, be on my social media, there is a charge for that because that not only takes time for me, but I, that is also my, my platforms that I've built up over time. And I've, I, t- I took a social media class a couple of years ago, it cost me several thousand dollars. And it was a couple month pr- program where I learned a lot about social media, how to use it, how to grow it. And so what we are taught is your social media is real estate. You charge for it. So since I've grown it to the point where it is, I'm comfortable with charging for it because that took a lot of time, energy, investment to get it to where it's at. And, and based upon my schooling that I took, like they told us, it's real estate. So I offer different packages for my guests to take advantage of. If they want, if they don't want, that's fine too. You know, I know every there, there's like a controversy around podcasters charging and not charging. I think we should charge. Once you get to a certain level, right? I did not charge in the beginning. I had to, I had to work my way there. I right. earned my stripes. I don't, I wouldn't say if you're just starting out, you charge. No, absolutely not. I'd say as you've built up your audience and you see where you're ranking in the world, I'm in the top 0.5%. I think I can charge. So like I, I know that I've reached a certain level that I'm, I'm okay charging. If they don't like it, that's too bad. I mean, I'm not offended by it. Well, that's interesting. I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, essentially if you're considering yourself like an influencer or maybe just a public figure, um, you're offering people, yeah, you're offering people um, of an outlet to get their message across and you're giving them attention. So in, in essence, it's advertising, it's marketing, and you can't really advertise or market most of the time. Uh, to the right audiences for just free. Like you have to pay for a commercial or whatever. So I don't think there's anything ethically wrong with, with that, but I never really um, thought of it as, as um, a paid interview because I would imagine like the number one premier podcasters out there, people who have the largest audiences um, let's say Joe Rogan, you know, he's huge. Do they make money through other ways, obviously advertising. What's that? Sponsors, advertisers, sponsors, etc. So they want the best guests possible who can have a really great interview. And they don't, I doubt that they ever would charge for, I don't but know. I have no idea. You see people on there like Elon Musk. I mean, he's not paying Joe Rogan to be on his. No, but there could be other people that aren't at that level that would say, Hey, I'm going to donate X amount of dollars to your show. Could you have me on? I mean, you know, you, we don't know. I mean, but right. I do know that if you want to be featured in Fox, CBS, NBC, a lot of that stuff you have to pay for. Absolutely. So it's the same. It's the same thing. You know, there are people that obviously if they came with a celebrity title, I'm not going to charge them. I've had celebrities on my show. Is you know? it, is your business model with what you're doing? Um, do you see that as a, a viable way to grow and move forward? Like you think that's going to, that's working pretty well? Yes, I do. And because of where I'm at my show, I've, I've now am an executive contributor to Brains Magazine. And so that is an, a, a, 
an estimated reach of 1.2 million a month. So because of what I've done with my show, now I'm an executive contributor for the next 12 months that is going to get me exposure every single month on that magazine with writing articles. Well, I mean, now I'm going to feature some of my guests, you know, so those guests that have invested in me now, I'm going to invest in them because not only did I love their their subject matter, we had a great conversation, but that also they believed in what I'm doing to invest in me. So the, it's very cyclical. And I believe that I believe what I'm doing works for me. It might not work for somebody else, but I value myself enough. I've had these conversations with guests that are like, oh, well, I don't pay. I bring so much value. I said, we both bring value. <laughs> you know, we both bring value. You bring what you think you bring value. I bring value too, because my guests sell a lot of books. They get clients. They get a lot of business from being on my show. I know that for a fact. I release an episode on Wednesday. They're getting reached out to Wednesday night. So I bring value too. So if you want to like say that you're better than me, well, this definitely is not a good fit because mm-hmm. nobody's better than anyone else. And if you don't respect my business model, then then all right, see you later. On to the next. How did you get to that point where you're at now? Um, and I'm sure with ambitions to still grow further, but how did you get to that from podcast episode number one? Is it just pumping it out good quality every consistently every week? Um, are there any kind of tips you could give to people who are starting a podcast or early on in their career to um, not necessarily hacks, but what techniques does it really take to get heard in this massive uh, competition? Um, I say stick true to your message. Like I'm not going to lie. It's been tough to like really can stay positive and stay focused because it hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows. You know, I think we all get into this space thinking like, oh, I'm going to make it. I'm going to get this big audience and blah, 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 blah. You know, and there's been times where I've kind of like gotten very discouraged and just like, oh my gosh, what am I doing this for? But then I always have to tell myself, stay true to your message. And so Mm -hmm. me staying true to my message and what that means to me, not getting caught up in where I'm going to go, who is is somebody going to discover me, what's going to happen has really allowed me to, to flourish. And like I said, even today, people reach out to me. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the message that you are, that you're putting out in the world, because that is more valuable than any type of monetary thing that I could ever get. The fact that I'm changing lives and that it comes from a good place. And so you when we get discouraged, we don't always stay in that good place, right? We have to like kind of give ourselves an attitude adjustment, like, hey, what was the reason why I started this? And so because of that, being consistent, obviously the consistency thing is a, is a huge thing when it comes to podcasting. Um, staying consistent, continuing to refine my craft, becoming better at what I do, and finding more avenues to promote the show, promote my guests, support my guests, you know, do all those things has been is what has made me successful in, in doing what I do. Is your podcast um, at a physical location, on-site interviews, or is it virtual? I can do. I have done in-person interviews, but a majority of them are uh, virtual. Yeah. Got it. Um, well, yeah, I think basically what you're saying is true in almost any business venture, but especially with social media. Because this is a type of social media, um, is be passionate about what you do, work hard at what you do, but most importantly, is you're doing it to provide value to other people, right? So yes. the people who are listening to you come back again because they they received some value, whether they learned something or they were just 
entertained because you're funny or yeah. they like the the sound of your voice and it brings them comfort. I mean, whatever it is, if they obtain some kind of a value and you're giving it out there for free um, and you stick with that mission, eventually um, it'll grow. Your goal can't be, I want to become this big and make this much money. Your goal right. has to be focused on your true core uh, purpose. And I, I hear that from all the business successful business people and entrepreneurs across all sorts of industries. Um, so it, it fits right in with what I think um, all, all the successful people um, often talk about is, is exactly what you said. So, Well, thank you. Well, um, do you have any um, anything that you would like our listeners or viewers to check out about you um, coming up? Any uh, new shows or um, publications? You mentioned the magazine. Yeah. So uh, Brains Magazine, I'll be featured in there this month. I'm going to have a feature in LA Weekly, I think it is. LA Fame, LA Weekly, one of those. So those are going to be, and I release shows every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So they're into oh. podcasting. They want to check me out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. There's going to be something there for you that you are not going to want to miss. And it's called the Label Free Podcast. That is correct. Yes. Available everywhere. Everywhere, even on YouTube. Well, um, I will try to put a, a link to your YouTube channel in our description so people can just hop right on over there if they like what they heard or want to learn more about uh, you and your endeavors. Please check out Deanna over there on her YouTube channel. And um, podcast, I'm sure, is going to be really entertaining. I will listen to you on Monday. All right, cool. All right, Deanna. Well, thanks okay. for being here. I really appreciate it. And uh, good luck with all that you're doing. Thank you, Dr. Z. All right. Have a good one.